welcome back to the Minute Moving Podcast. My name is Grace. And I'm Linnea, and this is another Hi Gam. So if you have a minute, we'd love to chat with you. But first, we do want to talk about um, something that's coming up uh, in the next couple days, which is the first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation in Canada. And Nova Scotia is recognizing that day. Unlike some people. Yeah. Ontario. Yeah. (laughs) You know, not going to drop any names, but... Which is just not so crazy to me because that's where the capital is. Like, I know, right? Like, <laughs> it just it's, blows my mind. Yeah, like all their provincial institutions just don't acknowledge I'm it. I'm like, so. ooh, that would have been so easy. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And I, to me, it's just like, this is the smallest thing you can do. Yeah. Is just take the holiday. You yeah, know? Uh, like, I don't know. We're not making anybody do anything. I know. It's like, there's just like, take a paid holiday. Yeah. And you should put in the work and the research and the, yeah, like, take it upon yourself to do that. But I'm hoping down the line it'll be on par with, like, Remembrance Day for, like, how much we observe and commemorate Remembrance Day. It should be equal, if not more. I think that's the ideal. Reconciliation Day. Um, I think that's the ideal for it to be, like, a day where people really stop and, you know, attend some type of service or kind of, you know, speaker series where you can be able to you know learn and grow and understand why we have a day why we need a day for truth and reconciliation yeah i hope that all of our listeners take some time we should do a land acknowledgement yeah which maybe we should open all of our podcasts with that but yeah actually we record our podcast from the unceded territory of Mi'kmaq known as Mi'kma'ki yeah uh, in that stretches in through Nova Scotia New Brunswick and I believe into Quebec and down mm-hmm. into the New England area so today I wanted to start off. So do you have a minute to play a little fun trivia thing? I had so much fun with the games. previous trivia. So this is a little game. Games, games, games. And uh, there's a ton here. So I found 100 great Canadian quotes. Oh. Fun. And so what okay. I'm going to do is I'm going to pick some. And okay. I'm going to read the quote out. And then I'm going to give maybe a few like little clues on who the person was who said the quote and see if Grace can guess. Okay, I, from the jump, yeah, think I'm going to be bad at it. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) I'll give you, that means I get to give clues. Okay, pity is just another form of abuse. So, this is an actor and activist. An actor and an activist. Who almost slept with his mom. (laughs) Whoa, okay. What does he advocate for? In a movie. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Almost slept with his mom in a movie. Like the the character almost slept with his mom. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. This is a movie that I think there were actually three of. Became a three series. Is it American Pie? No. And it's about... So, so pity is another form of abuse. So, this is an actor and activist. It's a male. It's a male. Ooh. I don't know. He's obviously felt like he's felt some pity. I mean, my brain just jumped to Eugene Levy. That was like my first guess, but I know that I don't know. I don't know. Jim Carrey? No. Um, Mike okay. Myers. <laughs> Closer. We're oh. getting warmer. So this person has uh, Parkinson's. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Fox. Yeah. Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Marty Fox. McFly. There we go. Because, okay. you know, in Back oh, to the right. Future. He almost sleeps with his he mom. He kind oh. of almost sleeps with his mom. I'm done. Okay. okay. No, you're fine. You're fine. Okay, I'm moving um, up. <laughs> okay, you're doing fine. Okay. I'm not that prolific. I'm just really old. Stuff has accumulated like fluff under the bed. So it just seems like a lot. 
<laughs> okay. So is it another actor? This is a no. This is a female author. Oh, okay, Margaret Atwood. Yes, <laughs> yeah. which is such a Margaret Atwood. Like that. I'm not prolific. I'm just old. I'm just like old. Yeah. that's very Margaret Atwood. When you do one thing for a long time, yeah, <laughs> you become prolific. You write a couple books, and here you are. <laughs> Even before you've earned it, treat yourself and your career with the level of respect that you hope to one day deserve. So this is an actress. She most iconically plays a mother. Okay. In TV or film? Both. Uh, well, it's not Kim Cattrall. It's not Kim Cattrall. <laughs> the opposite of playing a mom. Can I get another clue? Yes. She is in the movie Beetlejuice. I've never actually seen Beetlejuice. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. She has, in, in her most popular gig to date, she has an iconic wig collection. Oh, um, is Catherine O'Hara? Yeah. Catherine O'Hara is, uh, is Canadian? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. That's oh, funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's Canadian, and she is in Beetlejuice, and the other iconic mum role was Home Alone. I'm not doing so well You're so doing far. fine. You're I mean, fine. it's not terrible, but it's, it requires a lot of leading on. <laughs> You're okay. Okay, here, this one, I feel like you can get. Okay. To me, science is just formalized curiosity. Oh, and yeah. this is a scientist. A scientist. A male. Alexander Graham Bell? He's not no. really Canadian. He's he's out of this world. Oh, um, um, astronaut man. Yeah. His name <laughs> is Hatfield? Close. Yeah, yeah, Hatfield. Hatfield. Yeah, Chris. This is last yeah, Hatfield. Chris Hatfield. Okay. <sighs> yeah, Ooh. you did it. Okay. Let's do one more good one. Canada is the essence of not being. Not English, not American. It is the mathematics of not being. Mm. So this is a this is a Canadian comedian, um, like a stand-up comedian, or like Ooh. more of like an actor. Or I both. think he probably started off doing stand-up. I don't think I've seen any of his stand-up, but he's definitely more known as an actor. Okay. And you tried to guess him earlier on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey. Nope. Close. Mike, Mike Myers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mike Myers. <laughs> I like these quotes, though. Good quotes. I really like the first one. Like, pity is another form of abuse. Yeah. Like, because pity is, pity is not empathy. Pity is just, like, looking down at someone's disposition. Right? Exactly. Okay, let's do one more. I shake my husband's hand and knock on wood with him every night before every show. Even after he's gone, I still talk to him. No, that's weird. <laughs> Who was it? Oh, Celine Dion. She's weird. Oh, okay. Here. We seem to be so hard set in what we call our principles, which are not so much our principles, but our prejudices. Let's try to get beyond that. Ooh. What, what do they do? I will say that this person um, has passed away. Oh, Alex Trebek. Oh. Yeah. Alex Trebek said, we seem to be so hard set in what we call our principles, which are not so much our principles, but our prejudices. Let's try to get beyond that. There's a quote from someone that is similar, which is like, um, expectations are just premeditated disappointment. Yeah. I had a coach tell me, I had a basketball coach at our high school, and I guess he wasn't telling me, but it was like he was telling our gym class, was that expectation and potential are the worst things have yeah as, as a player absolutely like for people to have high expectations of you and for people to tell you that you have so much potential like that means nothing like, yeah no it's it that's just nothing. yeah that yeah. means nothing that's just setting you up for failure so don't listen yeah. to that and just like 
do your job because then even if you do if you are amazing Mm. like i think of tiger woods and Mm -hmm. lebron james incredible athletes but they were all and they have certainly succeeded yeah but they were given these level of expectations Mm -hmm. where it's like well it's impossible yeah for me to ever be what you've laid out for me yeah expectations can be really dangerous yeah i think sorry i misquoted it it's like expectations are premeditated resentment yeah especially for other people like oh for sure because there's this weird balance right like you got to have some kind of expectations for other people and the way in which they should treat you but at the same time the more expectations you put on someone the more you're just opening yourself up to have a good reason to resent that individual for sure Whereas, like, I think I think it's, like, true of even when you go on, like, a vacation or something. Like, oh, yeah. If you have no expectations for, like, what that weekend will be, what that place is going to, like, be like or what you're going to do there. Mm-hmm. Anything you do that's exciting is, like, oh, that's great. What a new and novel thing to do. That's great. Versus, like, yeah. I am going to Disney World. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And if I don't yeah. do that, I'm going to be so pissed. Oh, and I'm I'm 100% an extremist in that <laughs> I will, like, set myself up for sheer disappointment just to be delighted by the smallest thing. <laughs> no, and it's true. It's And it's that a problem. So and it's, like, and my mom's always like, Linnea, like, like relax but i'm like no like this is gonna go terribly terribly wrong and this is gonna be a bad situation and then when things like turn out i'm just like stoked (laughs) and so i don't know it's probably unhealthy do you do the other as well sometimes like do you have like really high expectations in some facets like of yourself maybe and then you're like oh i'm so disappointed with myself because i I didn't reach like the nth degree of success that i wanted personally yes like with everything else and anyone else like absolutely not but but like with myself yeah i would say that i do that yeah because i definitely feel that way and i think i have pretty high expectations of the people around me as well Mm -hmm. so i think it's it's just the double negative in that situation yeah (laughs) but definitely for myself and it's not even always in a productive way like i think Mm. people they tell themselves that it's productive yeah you're like yeah i set these super high expectations of myself and so to Mm -hmm. avoid the disappointment i work crazy 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 hard yeah but then you're also always self-critical of like i didn't work hard enough like i worked nine to five but i didn't meet all the goals that i wanted to in that time frame therefore i should Mm -hmm. be working another like three hours tonight which is very difficult for me to like turn off yeah no i constantly battle that with like my personal self I'm, i'm constantly just like wow i'm not doing enough like I'm constantly like at work like wherever like it's just like wow like I'm not doing enough like I feel like I am like failing because I feel like I'm not you know doing what I have set out to do and like what I think is like expectation worthy when in reality no one expects that yeah because it's like I don't really like I think I do have high expectations of the people around me but at the same time I definitely hold myself to like a way higher standard than other people right so I don't expect that of other people like I don't expect them to like commit their whole lives to something or whatever Um, but then when I don't meet that expectation I'm very frustrated with myself yeah premeditated resentments Mm. fun fun well (laughs) now you said you have something slightly uh upsetting to talk about so let's roll with that i was just like i want to do something that i know literally nothing about okay i'm just gonna pick something random and so then i started getting into it and i was like oh this is like sad (laughs) so we're gonna do uh, a short history okay of the canadian invention uh which i don't even really know how they pronounce it it's either pay bloom or pay blum what is it 
Um, so Pablum is oh Pablum 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 baby food baby food yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Pablum thank you there you go um, <laughs> it's, it's processed cereal for infants yeah. originally marketed and co-created by the Mead Johnson Company in 1931 oh um, yeah so initially I was like oh cool sick children it, it, basically it's initially created because they needed ways to cheaply provide nutrition to children um so rather than give them fruit and vegetables let's make this cereal thing babies Uh, love that shit and babies love cereal ate a ton of it and it's not like the first baby formula in the world but it is the first dry it's form so it's like arrowroot cookies basically yeah and i remember it was like it's what you give to the baby like when you start pablum is like when you're getting ready to start solid food so it's like to move their tummies to like getting ready to like processed solid food and the poop is wild when you give them this stuff (laughs) um but yeah so like pablum was developed by canadian pediatricians their names were frederick tisdall theodore drake and alan brown and this was in collaboration with the nutrition laboratory technician ruth herbert and they all work at the hospital for sick children in toronto and ruth's like i'm the only one who's actually had a baby (laughs) so i better be on your study And then they do this alongside the Mead Johnson chemist, Harry H. Engel. Um, So Mead Johnson is like the cereal company. And so that's how they're going to actually be able to mass produce it once they figure it out. So at the time, breastfeeding had declined in the middle class and upper class with the effect that diets of babies were often deficient in essential nutrients. So the cereal marked a breakthrough in nutritional science. It helped prevent rickets, a crippling childhood disease, uh, by ensuring that children had sufficient vitamin D in their diet. So the amount of vitamin D that's actually in this mm-hmm. mead is about what you would be prescribing four decades later. And they didn't really know or understand right. at this point. Because right. right? rickets is like scurvy. It's like not having enough um, vitamin. It's like a vitamin deficiency issue. Yeah. So yeah. rickets is the result of not getting enough vitamin D, which right. is why children working in factories would often get it because they're inside all day. Right. Um, and that's why you also have vitamin D in like milk milk they add a lot of vitamin d to it basically vitamin d prevents your bones from being able to absorb calcium so your bones grow incorrectly um so that's why vitamin d is really important go outside run in the sun it's really important for you Although neither Pablum nor its biscuit predecessor was the first food designed to be sold specifically for babies, it was the first baby food to come pre-cooked and thoroughly dried. The ease of preparation made Pablum successful in an era when infant malnutrition was a major problem in industrialized Mm -hmm. countries. For a period of 25 years, the Hospital of Sick Children and the Toronto Pediatric Foundation received a royalty for every packet of pablum sold. In 2005, the pablum brand was acquired by the Heinz Company. So ketchup, they also make pablum now. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, cool. All well and good. But the other thing that Pablum is known for is that Pablum was first tested on Canadian residential schools, on indigenous children, without the consent of the children or their parents. The children were malnourished and often denied regular dental care while being given these supplements um, and a vitamin-infused flour. And the experiments did not stop even when children were dying during these experiments. So I was like... Okay, that's a yeah. sad footnote. So yeah. I went and I like looked into it a little bit more. And there's this really great article that really just summarizes it. Yeah, It was written by uh, Noni McLeod, Richard Stanwick, and Andrew Link. 
they're all medical professionals. Uh, when was it written? Do you have the... It was written in 2014. Okay, so recent. Yeah, and it's called Canada's Shameful History of Nutrition Research on Residential School Children, the Need yep. for Strong Medical Ethics in Aboriginal Health Research. While both science and research have very long and detailed histories, the formal history of medical ethics is quite short. The discipline's foundation arises from the medical atrocities performed in the name of science by the cater of Nazi doctors during World War II. Mm -hmm. The actions were so despicable that 20 physicians were put on trial in Nuremberg for the violation of the Hippocratic Oath and behavior incompatible with their education and profession. The result of this 1946 trial was the Nuremberg Code of Medical Ethics. And it's one of those things that it's the like classic historical philosophy question is so much of what we know, especially about genetics, is fully derived from these Nazi trials. Yeah, because it's things that, well, I mean, because the Hippocratic Oath is do no harm. Yes. Um, And they obviously did a lot of harm. A lot of harm. To a lot of people. To a lot of unconsenting people. Yeah. However, it takes a sadistic, horrible, you know, person to do these tests that then led to huge medical advancements because no one else would have, because they're not, it's just, yeah, sadistic. So, yeah, so the normal doctor who, you know, actually has morals and ethics is never going to perform these, but because they were performed in Hitler's Right. Reich. Um, yeah, we have that research. So. Yeah. And so it's often this question is posed like, what do you do with that research? Is it ethical to use research that was obtained unethically, even though or is it more unethical to let that research not be used and let people die, even though you do have the answer? If you don't use that research, was that person's life completely for naught? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And that's not to say to justify it in any oh. way. It's more so like, what do you do once you are, once the cat's out of the bag, what do you do? Yeah. What's the most ethical thing to do? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the obtaining of that research is not ethical or ever justified. Nope. Like, it's horrific and terrible. And this is kind of falls into a similar category. So... In 2013, Ian Mosby, a food historian postdoctoral fellow at the University of Guelph, revealed details of highly unethical nutrition experiments performed on Canadian Aboriginal children at six residential schools between 1942 and 1952. So some of these are before the Nuremberg trials. Some of them are well afterwards. And they were committing their own medical atrocities. They also are using the word Aboriginal. From here on out, I'm going to say Indigenous. Okay. The experiments were performed by the Department of Indian Affairs of Canada under the direction of two physicians, Dr. Percy Moore, um, who was the Indian Affairs Branch Superintendent of Medical Services, and Dr. Frederick Tisdale, a famed nutritionist and former president of the Canadian Pediatric Society and one of the three pediatricians at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. Let me ask, both white? (laughs) Oh, 100%. (laughs) Um, and they developed pablum infant cereal in the 1930s. In these experiments, parents were not informed, nor were their consents obtained. Even as children died, the experiments continued. And even after the recommendations from the Nuremberg trial, these experiments continued. And, and I'm assuming this was being given to, like, adult children as well. Yeah, you I know, don't know. That, because I'm thinking, like, that's not a sustainable diet for, like, an adult child. Right. An adult child. <laughs> a grown child. <laughs> yeah. Like, problems for babies. Yeah, Like, yeah, yeah. infants. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the age groups were. Right. I don't think they really go into detail here, but right. still. 
In these experiments, control and treatment groups of malnourished children were denied adequate nutrition. In one experiment, the treatment group received supplements of ribofalvin, thiamine, and or absorbic acid supplements to determine whether these mitigated the problems. They did not. In another, children were given a flour mix containing um, additives of thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, and bone meal. Rather than improving nutrition, the children became more anemic, likely con contributing to more deaths and certainly impacting development. In these experiments, efforts were made to control as many factors as possible, even when they harmed the research subject. For example, previously available dental care was denied in some settings because researchers wanted to observe the state of dental caries and gingivitis with malnutrition. Oh, so it's like, well, before you get to go to a dentist, but now that you're part of an experiment, you don't get to go to the dentist anymore. What the hell? My God. Similar to the U.S. Public Health Service's syphilis study of Tuskegee. Mm. So it's pretty well known in the United States that they just observed what syphilis does to people yeah. on indigenous peoples. And uh, syphilis, if you don't know, turns you into like a literal zombie yeah. if you do not treat it. Canadian researchers used indigenous children in residential schools to learn about malnutrition. The problem in Tuskegee, which is in Alabama was the natural history observations continued long after penicillin became available to treat syphilis. So, like, we already have the treatment for syphilis, but we still just want to see what happens when people get syphilis. Oh, see, that's, yeah. In Canada's case, the basics of alleviating malnutrition were well known before these experiments began. The most striking fact is that both studies were performed among individuals who were already marginalized and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. No one was looking out for the best interests in these research studies, and they had no voice in their participation. Yeah. While many changes and improvements have been made in the area of ethical health research since the 1940s, uh, indigenous children and youth remain highly vulnerable populations and extra care must be taken when they are considered in medical research. Yeah. The current issue of the pediatrics and child health, so that would have been in 2014, um, includes a Canadian Pediatrician Society position statement entitled Health Research Involving First Nations, Inuit, and Métis children and their communities, with recommendations on Indigenous community ownership of research projects, one measure that can help to ensure the potential for research abuse is minimized. Other measures, such as data safety and review committees, as well as rigorous research ethics boards reviews, are also critical. It behooves all of us who care for children and youth to ensure that research abuse and other potential opportunities for abuse are minimized by being vigilant, thoughtful, and introspective. So, yeah, kind of fucked up. Super fucked up. And I didn't even want to do fucked up. I, I was know. like, this is cool. Baby, <laughs> Baby food, formula. yeah. That'll be a good one. Nope, turns out all Canadian history is terrible and awful. Yeah. And it always happens with, like, science and stuff. I know. Like, <sighs> science is the worst. <laughs> That's why we don't do it here. Yeah. We only do history. Yeah. Which just reveals how terrible everybody else is. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Very true. Very true. It, I mean, that's just one example of, like, as we go into the day of truth and reconciliation. Like, it's not just sending kids to school. Like, I think that's where people, like, who was it who came out and said that they were just, like, fine institutions? No, oh, I don't remember, but yeah. Was it Ford? 
probably someone <laughs> someone basically was like if he didn't say it i feel like it's safe to say he thought it so yeah and like when people are looking specifically at residential schools i mean everything that happened over the summer should dispel any thoughts you have about like children and i mean also just like people who are like justifying it by saying like infant mortality and child mortality rates were higher in general like fuck off like you know that's not a good argument yeah. <laughs> it's like because you also are subjecting children to these kinds of experiments without yeah. their parents consent without their consent and knowing what malnutrition does to children yeah we just want to see it play out yeah. like disgusting you are nazis that is yeah. the same as what nazis were doing yeah. to people in concentration camps like mm-hmm. yeah also people just don't know Oh, and that's another huge thing. Like, education is so powerful. Like, it's important to, you know, talk about these uncomfortable and, you know, dark, dark stories. You know, you just want to talk about, like, baby food. But, like, baby food has a dark place in Canadian history, you know? And, like, but we have to, we can't avoid having those conversations and, like, talking about that. Yeah, and the thing was, I thought it was going to be, like, a resolution. Because obviously there is a dark... There's a dark reason you have baby food, and that is because infants don't have access to their mothers. Yeah. For whatever reasons, whether that be economic or women's health. Some reason women are either dying or or can't access their children. And so I was like, Pablum, this is going to be this nice resolution for poor families who can at least feed their children. But no. But no, it turns out, (sighs) you know, it's just the beginning of something way worse. Ugh. Anyways on that note we hope you all commemorate yeah. truth and reconciliation day tomorrow which yeah will be tomorrow so thanks for the quotes those were fun yeah that was a nice way to start <laughs> <laughs> a little later <sighs> well thank you everyone for listening we hope you had a minute to listen to us chat and uh yeah please take at least a minute tomorrow on the first national truth and reconciliation day to educate yourself help educate others and just reflect. And if you haven't gotten enough of us, you can check us out at uh, minutewomenpodcast.ca. Maybe you can go back and check out some of our Indigenous history catalog. Yeah. One of our earliest episodes yeah. is, is on Inuit artist Kenijuak Ashevek. Yeah. She's such an amazing woman. Um, and actually kind of that like medical aspect mm-hmm. sort of comes up in hers. So yeah. highly recommend maybe She's very cool. going and checking out that episode. If you're also on our website, you can check out our social media links. You can check out the link to our merch store. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Uh, they're a really big help to the show. And actually, as of late, I will say, our our listenership has gone up a little bit. Yeah. So hello to all the new listeners yeah, out hello. there. Make sure that you're sharing the podcast with all of your friends. Word of mouth is the best review. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.